So I think I picked a very bad weekend to return to the parish because this is not a gospel passage that a priest likes to preach on to get really famous and popular. Because Jesus' words uh, this evening are very strong and very challenging. And Jesus, too, himself was not looking for popularity when saying these words because Jesus, we hear right here that Luke tells us that great crowds were traveling with Jesus. In other words, he had gained a popularity. He had gained some momentum in his ministry, and he had a lot of followers. But that didn't stop Jesus from giving it to him straight and being real with the people that were following him. And so we find ourselves in Luke 2 in what scholars will call the hard sayings of Jesus, that when you hear them, you're like... Ooh, man, I'm not sure about following Jesus anymore. Did Jesus really say that? Because today Jesus has three things he wants to tell us, that we cannot be his disciples. This is not just talking about getting to heaven. This is just even following Jesus. This is what he says. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple, number one. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, number two. And any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple, number three. Maybe to put it in some, a simple formula that might help We cannot be disciples of Jesus on three conditions. One, if Jesus does not have priority in our life. When I say priority, I mean number one in all things and everything. Number two, we cannot be a disciple if we're not willing to suffer for him. And three, we cannot be his disciples if we do not have a deep spirit of detachment from the things of this world. Let's go through those three just briefly. The first one, if anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What happened to the lovey-dovey Jesus? (laughs) And didn't Jesus say that you have to love even your enemies? So what is Jesus trying to do here? Well, I think Jesus is like a good teacher, imploring a very simple but profound teaching method, and that is hyperbole or exaggeration. He's done this many times in the gospel. You may have heard this one too that maybe challenged you. If your eye causes you to sin, do what? Pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, do what with it? Cut it off. I don't think Jesus intended for uh, one-handed and one-eyed disciples. (laughs) No, but rather Jesus is using this form of teaching, exaggerating to make his point. Because guess what? You remembered what he said, didn't you? And so Jesus is doing the same thing. This man who's preached about the love of the kingdom of God is now saying, you know, hate your brother, your sister, your wife, your children. It's because he's imploring this exaggeration so that you will remember exactly where he should fall in the priorities in your life. But let's think about this for a second. I want to kind of imagine you're a first century Jew. Now, the rules for a first century Jew at least the main rules, there's ten of them. What do we call those ten rules? The commandments, right? The ten commandments. 
And the Ten Commandments were given to Moses, and there were two tablets. There were one, numbers 1 through 3 on the left side, and numbers 4 through 10 on the right side. And if you kind of look at them and kind of take a general look, you'll see that the first three deal with who? God. And the second seven deal with who? Love your neighbor, right? Now, here's a little Ten Commandment trivia for you. Number four is at the top of the list for love your neighbor. What is the fourth commandment? Honor your father and mother. Or glorify your father and mother. So when Jesus is saying that you got to hate your father and mother, in other words, you have to put me above your father and mother, who is the only person that can make that claim? God himself. And I think that's really important because when Jesus walks this journey to Calvary, they're about to see their leader who's claiming to be God to die on a cross. And so Jesus is saying, look, I've proven to you over and over and over again that I am God among you. And so that means that I have to be number one. And so for all you spouses out there, that means you have to love Christ more than your spouse. That means you have to love your children, I mean, you love Jesus more than your children. That's the radicality that Jesus is calling his disciples. He says, if you're not willing to do that, you cannot be my disciple. But why? Because who is God but love, right? God is love, St. John tells us. And so we have to be able to love the one who is love if we want to love our spouses and our children rightly, correctly, and with the greatest love possible. How can we expect to love them if we don't love the one who is love first? So the first one is thy priority with Christ. Jesus, number one. The second one. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I've been into many homes and I'll see often a wall cross or, you know, a wall that has a bunch of crosses on them. Maybe you have one. And I've noticed something about these walls. They have a lot of cute crosses. You know, some got little diamonds on them. You know, they got a cute little shape. Maybe in the middle they have a nice little cute saying from the Bible. If you have a wall of crosses, I'm not shaming you, okay? But I want, us to put, I want you to put yourself back in the shoes of the disciples again for a second. And when Jesus speaks the words, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, when you think of the word cross, what comes to your mind? Because the disciples of Jesus in his time, they weren't thinking of the nice little cute crosses. Because when they heard the word cross, this is what they're used to seeing. This is what they're used to seeing. And so when Jesus says, you have to carry your cross, what he's telling them is you have to be willing to undergo the most brutal execution that you know exists. Because that's what this was in Jesus' time. I guess maybe to put in a modern-day example, 
Because the greatest execution tool I guess we have now maybe would be the electric chair or something like that. So, are you willing to even go undergo an electric chair for Jesus? That's really what he's asking. And he says, if you're not willing to do that, number two, you cannot be my disciple. Number two, are you willing to suffer for Christ? Are you willing to carry your own cross? Not a cute cross, but a real cross. And the last one He says, if any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. When I was in Mexico, I had the privilege of going to a profession of Franciscans. If you don't know what the Franciscans are, they're a group, a community, an order in the Catholic Church that uh, wears a brown habit. And they make promises or vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And they live a certain lifestyle in imitation of St. Francis, the St. Francis of Assisi that most of you probably know. But there's something that it's really powerful that happens is before the, the ceremony, in the sacristy, the sacristy is where a priest gets ready. All the priests are gathered and waiting. And these six men stood in front of all the community that was present. And they made a particular promise publicly in front of all of them. And what they said was, we right now in this moment declare ourselves utterly poor. We will not receive any money for our own sakes. And if our family wants to give us anything right now, or even if they want to give us their wills, we will say no. Wow. And you know, the oldest one was 33 years old. Six men under 33 years old making a public declaration that they're willing to denounce and renounce any worldly gain for the sake of imitating Christ. Now, some of us are called to that radicality But Jesus here does not mean that all of you who are sitting here must go sell everything you have right now. That wouldn't be very prudent to provide for your families. But what he is saying is that you have to have a strong and fervent detachment from the things that you have. Are you willing to let something go for the sake of Christ? If that answer is no... Jesus says, not me, not Father Colton, but Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. And so our Lord today has some very challenging words because Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He's heading to Calvary, and he's heading there for the last time, which means what's about to happen to him? He's going to die. And so he takes his disciples aside. He says, guys, I'm going to give it to you straight. These are my last words I'm going to be giving to you. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to be my disciple, I have to be number one above every single person and every single thing in your life. If you want to be my disciple, you have to be willing to suffer for me because my fate is your fate. And thirdly, you have to be willing to renounce everything in this life for my sake. Maybe put in these words, If you want the world in this life, don't expect to have God in the next.
My brothers and sisters, I encourage you and I urge you to take this gospel passage or take those three things that I just mentioned that Jesus calls us to and ask the Lord to show you and reveal to you one of them where you're struggling at. And this week, ask the Lord to give you a chance to show Him how much you love Him and how much you are willing to be His disciple.